All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., and Jesse Cofield holding it down for us in the DraftKings studio in Boston. We're brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. Got a great show for you guys, as always. Make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five-star rating and check us out here live Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern time on the DraftKings YouTube channel, DraftKingsNetwork.com, Samsung TV+, Plus, Roku, and more. Got a couple of great guests for you guys. Jared Carabas from Baseball is Dead right here at the DraftKings Network. Going to join us and hit some highlights coming off of the season, some of the managerial moves that we've seen early in Major League Baseball's offseason. And Jamie Chadwell, the head football coach at Liberty University, undefeated Flames right now, the former Coastal Carolina mullet-wearing head coach. Dad, a very cleaned up now. It's a very new Jamie Chadwell. Well, yeah, yeah, it really is. You wonder if somebody got to him, maybe his wife, and said, you know, let's clean up the act a little bit. Though it's worked for Mike Gundy uh, for a number of years, no doubt about that. I have a question for both of you. So we're okay. leading into the weekend. So about five days from now, Jesse, this is probably more for you because I believe you're due in February. Yes. Uh, you already have one child, but you're due in February. So you've been through this. Is uh, Mike your sister? My daughter Sydney is doing about five days. So I have the equipment here that when I do the show on the road, what do you think the odds are that we could set that up in the delivery room? And if she, listen, she's been around this business long enough to understand content. And for her to have it during the show would be the best thing for the show for content. Do you think I should set up the stuff in the delivery room there and have her be on air during her birth? Is she cool with pooping on television? Well, I, we're not going to do the whole thing. I mean, I'm not, we're not, we're not going to do that. <laughs> we're not going to make a birthing video. We'll stay north of the equator here. We're not. We're not going to. We're not going to make people throw up in the morning. Um, but you know, just the just sounds the, alone could. Oh, oh, the the, the beeping that would have to say. happen of her swearing. Yeah. yeah. It's a giant FCC violation, I'm pretty sure, and I know people just throw these letters out here all the time when they want to get away from something. This might actually be a HIPAA violation. That feels very HIPAA territory. Oh, yeah. Uh, what if she agreed also, to it? You know what? what if she agreed to it? So we've joked about this for a while on a number of different fronts, and I feel like anyone who's ever worked in sports talk is like joked about, like, oh, give birth on air for the ratings would anyone want to see or listen to that like the people that have been through it i'd imagine it's not an experience you enjoy reliving and the people that haven't your boy included that's not something i've seen what i've seen in movies is enough to make me yeah, want to pass well, out i don't want to see I, that real life mic'd up yeah, version of pregnancy so what i'll say too is i believe that you're allowed to have two people in the room with you so she, obviously her husband's going to be in the room with yep. her and then that gives yep. her the opportunity to have one more so you like is is she the planning on having yeah, yeah the cameraman I mean, that's what i'm saying the guy with the boom mic so 
it, you know, I personally, I just had my husband in the delivery room. Like, I know some people have their, is is your wife right. planning on being in the delivery room with her? Is that? No, 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 she is okay. not. And I was the only one in the room for all three of the Cool, kids. I was and about actually, to judge. I was about to, about to get judgy. I was, that's why I checked. <laughs> that's no, no. why I checked. <laughs> no, no, no. Because no. I think Good it's weird as hell. Up and you were going to be judged. Yeah, I think it's weird the, as hell when you're like my husband and also my mommy. And you're like, yeah, yeah. Okay. We've seen that in other situations when we were a little like, this, ooh, wow, we don't really mommy. understand that <laughs> yeah. whole thing. Uh, cameras did want to come rolling in uh, when Jake was born because Jake was a Christmas baby and I was still oh. playing in Philadelphia then. Wow. Uh, and yeah, my wife was, you know, let's let let's let's wait till after and wait till we can, you know, square things away before we do any kind of interviews or anything like that. Because quite honestly, when when you know. Your mother was pregnant with you and Mike and we first went through this and you watch the videos of birth and they're they're horrid. You're like, oh my God. But when it's your own and I'm standing in there and I'm a south of the equator guy, I have no problem with that. I was for all three. Oh, okay. It's a it's a beautiful experience. I I dug it, you know? And I, I mean, I don't need it filmed. I don't need pictures. I don't need that. I'll remember it in my head as sure. most moms block it out uh, after a while, I'm sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I one person, I believe Ben is the only one in there. But I just figured Sydney's been in this business as well. She's worked social media for the Browns, for the Bears, you know, and she understands content. So I'm just wondering if she'll uh, you know, play along. I'll say this. Jason's Kel Jason Kelsey's wife seems like one of the coolest people in the world. She's been on their podcast. She was in the Jason yeah. Kelsey documentary on Prime. And in all of that, even as they covered her very high-profile pregnancy, where they're yes. like, oh, maybe yeah. she can give birth at the Super Bowl. Who's this going on? You know where the cameras didn't go? Anywhere yeah. near childbirth. They were with them <laughs> all the way up to it. So as cool as you are and as down as you were for content, guess where the lines tend to get drawn? Right around yeah. that hospital door. Can't say <laughs> I blame anybody involved. Speaking of labor pains, Al Michaels oh, Thursday man. night football last night didn't have a good time. But at the very least, Dad, I felt good as we were sitting in the waning seconds of this game between the Bears and the Carolina Panthers. A revenge game every which way. You had DJ Moore, the subject of the trade on one side for the Chicago Bears, the former Carolina Panthers receiver, staring across at Bryce Young, the quarterback that was netted in the trade that involved him taking number one overall by the Carolina Panthers. As we got down into the waning moments of this game, Dad, where I have a lot of questions about the game management from Frank Reich and this Carolina Panther staff yeah. having to burn a timeout with the clock not running in the waning seconds. Bryce Young almost throwing an interception on third down and then electing with under two minutes left to go in the yeah. game to kick a 59-yard field goal instead of going forward on fourth down. Eddie Pinero, that thing fell woefully short yeah, and at yeah, least it saved Al Michaels from having to call overtime from that game. That was the only thing that gave me joy in that moment for a man that seemed like he was in hell yet again. Yeah, that third down play um, that was almost intercepted, I was looking for a different play there to say, you know what, maybe this is two down territory to make it a, a more advantageous field goal, uh, but it didn't happen. We've seen more, and I saw Kurt Warner tweet this, and now this, this play doesn't apply, but I'm with him. We've seen this more, and I don't know why. Third in shorts, you're throwing a deep ball. I, I, I don't get it. You know, I... I Every time I'm calling a game, I'm like, move the sticks, move the sticks, just move the sticks. And it's third and one or two, and you see these teams airing a ball out down the sideline, going for that jump ball, and I, I just don't get it. Now, that being said, unless I you're going to go for it immediately after on fourth exactly. down, in which exactly case. right, yeah. So I wasn't real hip on what play sequence went down here when you needed to get closer uh, for this field goal, but uh, it didn't happen. You know, listen, I was, I was begging that this would be a better game than what the, the, it looked like. Unfortunately, it wasn't. It's interesting for the Bears, the leading receiver and the leading rusher um, were both – actually, he was the leading receiver in the game and the leading rusher in the game for the Bears were both Carolina Panthers, Deontay Foreman and yeah. uh, DJ Moore. So that was uh, pretty wild there. Foreman, impressively enough, is doing very well this year in – what was is it yards? What, yards after contact? 
Um, yards after contact. Yeah, which is viewed as the running yeah. back stat, right? O-line stats right. are hard to come by. Yards before contact yeah. generally looked at as, oh, those are the O-line's yards. Yards after contact belong to the running back. Yeah. Second, you know, since week six, he's had 266 yards, second in the NFL. So that's that's pretty impressive. But, you know, again, you have Bryce Young not playing all that well, but he doesn't have a lot around him. Again, the, the main target is your 32-year-old Adam Thielen. Uh, for they need more help around him, but at least you know you're building here. Now we go another week with Tyson Bagent, who is not going to be the future quarterback of that team. Could be a guy that's, you know, a, a backup. And sh- listen, he's getting plenty of opportunity to show that he can yep. play and keep his head above water in this league, which is cool. But we all know where this is going to go. We're not seeing Justin Fields since what, week six? I believe this is four starts now for Bajent, and we keep, keep hearing from Eberflus. He's getting close as far as Justin Fields getting close. It's all about the pressure and gripping the ball and what direction they're going to go. That's kind of what we're looking at a lot with these games is the teams involved and the quarterback involved. We started doing that yesterday with some teams about are these teams playing out the string and then looking for a new quarterback? Do you build around it while you're getting a new quarterback? And that's still one of the big question marks in Chicago, even though we have a game for Carolina where no touchdowns in this one. The only touchdown they had was a punt return. No offensive touchdowns, I shouldn't say. And one for Chicago and three field goals. So it was, it was, uh, it was pretty ugly. Which, by the way, Amir Smith-Marset, who had that touchdown, also yeah. former Chicago Bears. So the revenge oh. game crossover continues to springboard. There was a lot... There was a lot of inside baseball in this game for NFL sickos who really were tapped in for this Thursday night here. By the way, before we get to I think one of the biggest points coming off the game and the discussion about Bryce Young that's going to happen now, I think I do want to give credit to Al Michaels we talked about before. Al Michaels, a man who went from open disgust for having to think about having to cover Taylor Swift in a primetime football game to now in the middle of this game where they decided this game's so bad, we've got access to Jason Kelsey here for the week. He was on with the crew in the pregame and the postgame, and they just brought him up into the booth for an entire segment in the middle of an NFL football game. And in the midst of that, Al Michaels doing the Lord's work Rotting Jason Kelsey, asking him for the whereabouts of his brother Travis during Kansas City's bye week as it relates to Taylor Swift's uh, a broad leg of the Eras Tour, asking if he was in Argentina for the show last night, where, by the way, one of the surprise songs she played was Labyrinth that's features in the chorus, Ooh, I'm Falling in Love, over and over again, that I don't think is an accident. I think things are going very well in paradise right there. But that's all because Al Michaels went out there and did Big J journalism, Dad. I was so proud of him. Yeah, listen, he's a guy that's kind of been fighting this thing, and I've been kind of disappointed in the football world of people that have been like, oh, this, there's too much of this, blah, get blah, blah. I'm like, please, get, get, give, give, warm, me a, give me a break. So it, maybe it was just the game. And, and let me quickly preface by saying you win the game. As Deontay Foreman said after the game, it wasn't pretty, yeah. wasn't the prettiest thing in the world, but it's still, you put in a lot of hard work every week and they got the W, which which is all that matters. And oh, by the way, they get Carolina's first pick, or first round pick. And so Carolina is now battling Arizona yeah. for the first pick in the draft. So it was really a win-win for Chicago last night. That being said, Jason Kelsey, I mean, listen, he we talk about Travis being the man because he's Aiden Taylor. Jason is the man, right? Sexiest man alive, you know, up in the booth. Sexy doing man, the, the, yeah. He, uh, he is, you know, the documentary, obviously the podcast that he has. But he's just a great interview. He's, a, he's just a really and, – and, you know, Mike, your mother was talking about this yesterday, and she's right. This is not – these aren't two players in Jason and Travis Kelsey who are both going to be in the Hall of Fame that were like high first-round draft picks that greatness was expected out of them. Travis Kelsey got kicked off his college team at Cincinnati. His brother Jason had to talk the coaches into letting him come back onto the team. So these are not two, wow, these are future Hall of Famers before they even get into the NFL. We know they're going to be that good. These are just two great stories of brothers and how they got to where they are right now. I think that makes it even more impressive than saying you're the number one pick of the draft. Not, not to take anything away from an Eli and a Peyton Manning who the expectation was there from you know where you know who their dad was to through college to the NFL and they're both going to obviously be brothers in the Hall of Fame as well someday but these two came from a different path and I think that makes the story even a little cooler
It does, and that was well covered in the documentary. Everyone did a good job of making sure that that was known and publicized about those guys, and you're right. It's been cool to watch that. It was cool to see large representation in the booth last night. You got him and Big Wit out on that set there, so big boys are balling. Also, shout out to Andrew Whitworth, uh, cementing his status as one of the best current or former player actors with some of those recent insurance commercials that he's been a part of there, so very excited for him. Dad, my big concern from last night is Bryce Young. Like, this was another game. No offensive touchdown for this team. Their only touchdown came on that punt return for a touchdown. And looking in this game, we understand nobody was open for most of the night here. We've had the right, conversation right. about that as protections right, right. poor. But even regardless of that, whether it's cause and effect, which I believe some of it is, the bad habits that get built up when you're on a team where there are no options, that doesn't look like the same Bryce Young that I watched for so much of college. There looked to be struggles there. And it, that's that was difficult for me to process. I am as ardent a Bryce Young defender. I said I would have taken him number one overall, and I still stand by that. But it really was watching last night you saw even in the body of that there were throws where I felt like he should have had the ball a little bit more on target and I feel like this is part of the fear when we talk about organizations screwing up prospects is the cumulative effect of not feeling like you can trust what you see because of people usually not being open not being able to feel comfortable in the pocket because usually your pocket's collapsing all these things I think we're seeing the net effect of that with Bryce Young because that didn't look like the guy that I watched for so long. We're, we're absolutely seeing the net effect of that. And, and this is, this is, in all honesty, more closer to the norm of what you see with these high draft picks going to bad teams. Because no doubt, uh, and, and part of it, maybe a big part of it, is he doesn't have a lot around him, right? Um, now, now the, not like the, the Bears went out and scored a ton of points, so it's not like you have to match score for score. But I'm, I, listen, I, I was a C.J. Stroud guy, but I was Bryce Young right there. I mean, I would have gone Stroud Young, yeah. so it's not like I said, oh, my God, I wouldn't have taken uh, Bryce Young. I definitely think he was right, right, there, right there at the top. One, two, I would have taken him, too. Either way, up there high. And what we're seeing here, I think, Mike, is a lack of confidence right now because you see a lot of checkdowns. I mean, how many passes went sideways? You know, he's averaging about a little over five yards a throw. So now we can sit there and say, does he not have guys downfield that are open? Or are the – because we've seen some of these top quarterbacks at the top places in college, the windows are pretty wide open in college, right? And then you get to the NFL and those windows start to tighten up. And is there just that little bit of hesitation where – Mm, I'm not going to try it and fit in that window. And you do that for a split second, and you know then, you know damn well then, okay, I got to check down. Next thing you know, you're swinging it out to your outlet guy over by the sideline. Or, you know, you're throwing it out of bounds. You know, he's getting rid of the ball a lot as well. I guess that's the the part that's most surprising about Bryce to me is – Last year at Alabama, not like he had a whole trunk full of weapons there. It was basically him and Jameer Gibbs trying to save that offense on their own. And functional accuracy, where you put the ball and how it helps your receiver either get more open, get yards after catch, was one of Bryce's biggest selling points. I thought he was as accurate in that way and the ways that help your receivers and put the ball into tight spaces as any quarterback that we saw coming out of college. And so that's why it's surprising, Dad, because those were all things I expected to be a strength for him. I, I agree. I, I think right now his confidence is shaken a little bit. I, I, I don't think he lacks confidence in his abilities, but once you get no. out on the field into practical application, I think there's just that little bit of hesitation. Like I said, it's not like his guys are running free out there. It doesn't happen as certainly as much in the NFL, but that's when you got to have a quarterback that's going to throw a dime, right? Even if your guy is you know covered a bit, that you're going to put it in the spot it needs to be, and it just doesn't seem like he's there yet. And I remember Jalen Hurts talking about after he spent one year as a starter, it was that offseason. Now, the best way to improve is on the field by playing, but there's things that go with it. And Jalen talked about in that offseason when he could really study 
how going back and looking at film and looking at should have made a throw there, should have made a decision there and seeing it, you know, on tape over and over again in the offseason and knowing the things you work on. So that's something I think and I think Bryce is an incredibly smart quarterback as well. I think the offseason uh, offseason doing that is going to really, really help him look at, OK, this is this is what I've done. I know I can do and I wasn't doing it here. And I, I would expect a lot more next year because, I, you know, we, we, we keep well, hearing. I also, into the I also think said, in I, that. Yeah, I also think in that regard too, Dad, going and getting more like part of the Jalen Hurts development was also, hey, we got oh, you Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. Oh, I agree. how much I, easier life gets then. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I guess I'm just saying he's going to put the blinders on on him especially in the offseason of like sure. should have made that throw should have, should have had this read but you're right i mean jalen took a big jump because i i think he had you know the offseason another year but also because it got him a lot of really good weapons as well and we'll yeah, see what you're carolina behind the best offensive is, line in football yeah. you've got all those weapons like carolina's and, and, got their work cut out for them right now and they don't have no that first top round pick, pick we mentioned no right exactly right with no first round pick so you know, here comes free agency, you know, and spending some money that way. They got they got to build around the guy. Yeah, uh, as of last night, the current order for the top draft picks has the Chicago Bears pick from Carolina, number one overall, followed by Arizona, New York, New England, and Chicago then again at yeah. number five. And, Dad, I think that's the really interesting part of this now yep. is you look at one and two there. Justin Fields was in celebrating with his teammates last night, getting after it. And right now, Mel Kuyper's big board has Caleb Williams number one, Marvin Harrison Jr. at number two, and Drake May right at number three. But we expect this to be a one-two quarterback draft. Yep. And both of those teams right now have quarterbacks currently on the roster expecting to be the guys themselves. Fascinating going into next year. Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. So yesterday, attorneys for Ole Miss and football coach Lane Kiffin filed a motion to dismiss a lawsuit that was filed against them by Ole Miss defensive tackle DeSanto Rollins. Now, Rollins claimed that he was kicked off the team for missing team activities during a mental health crisis, and he sued the school and Kiffin. Now, senior reporter A.J. Perez of Front Office Sports has released audio of an exchange between Kiffin and Rollins that is at the center of the lawsuit. Let's take a listen to it. If you would have come here, when you kept getting messages, the head coach wants to talk to you, and you saying, I'm not ready to talk to him. I wasn't. Well, what f***ing world do you live in? I don't see why you got to be disrespectful, honestly. Get out of here. Go. Go. You're off the team. You're done. See ya. See ya. Because I'm... See ya. Go. Go. And guess what? We can kick you off the team. So go read your f***ing rights about mental health. We can kick you off the team for not showing up. When the head coach has to meet with you and you don't show up for weeks, okay, we can remove you from the team. 
So not great, uh, that audio being released. Uh, the reaction has been mixed to that coming out. Some people backing Lane Kiffin, other people backing uh, the player. In this day and age, guys, I think you just can't uh, be this cavalier about mental health stuff. Yeah, so it, it's a bunch of interesting things in this, right? And yeah. yeah, worth noting for everybody, Mississippi is a single-party consent state, so he can legally record that audio and release it here. I'm not sure if that makes it legally admissible or anything like that in this lawsuit. And in this lawsuit, which is in the area of $40 million in damages, uh, it's for uh, player failure to provide equal protection, racial and sexual discrimination, and multiple other allegations. So this idea that the player believes he was treated differently than a white student athlete would have been or a female student athlete would have been in a similar situation because of his standing on the football field. And, Dad, I feel like a lot of this has become a culture war based on what everyone yep. heard there of their experience in sports, how they were talked to, treated, what they went through, and how they believe then other people should deal with that situation. Because I'm not going to lie, I've had a hard time rendering a really solid ruling on this because there's so much that we don't know. I don't know right. what the relationship was like overall between Lane and this player. I don't know what this player's work habits and relationship with being on the team in that way are relative to that locker room. And I don't know how Lane Kiffin treats all of the players on that team. I don't know how Lane Kiffin has treated this player in the past on this particular subject. And at the core of all this is a player who supposedly was away from the team for two weeks because of a mental health break, saying he was in a mental health crisis. Lane Kiffin pointing out that this was in his eyes, tied to them asking him to make a position change. This seemed like a player that, for lack of a better term, they were trying to run off of the team. And so ultimately it boiled down to a lack of communication between the player and coach during that two-week standpoint where we don't know what the parameters were. We don't know what they set up in the beginning as far as what are the terms of this player's time away from the team. Was that discussed clearly? Because, Dad, I think we can both agree in an ideal world, the way that this would go is if you've got a player who's in crisis like this, you would have them communicate that with somebody as a part of that staff there, and there would be some understanding of, hey, this is the parameters. This is how long this player is going to be away. This is how we're going to monitor them during right. this, and then they would proceed accordingly. And it seems like somewhere in there was a lack of communication between one or both sides that's now led to this coming out publicly. Yeah, there's a lot here to digest. We may need even more more time to digest this thing because you're, it, it is kind of a culture thing. You know, I'm 60. You're going to get people in my age range that are like, yeah, man, I mean, show up. You can't just disappear like that. You lose your job in the Lane Kiffin. And, and remember, this was a snippet we played. There was more uh, in this and talking about you can't do this Lane in the real world and kept bringing up employee, employer type situations. And I can easily say when I was growing up and when I was in locker rooms or, you know, and playing ball that I was talked to this way or talked to in a rough way. And it was just the way it was. We're in a culture now where it's different. And Lane, Lane Kiffin, I think, needs to understand that more, that we're in a different time now. But I'll go back to something that, that's age old and even more prevalent now of how this started because of the portal and scholarships. They were trying to, in my opinion, they were trying to run this guy. Okay, he had injury issues, so he was a defensive lineman. Run this Lane guy said, off the team, you mean? Run this guy off the team for the scholarship. Uh, is they basically told him he was a D lineman who had been injured. He said, "You're going to the O line, and you're going to be on the scout team." And that's when you know this young man, DeSanto, said he needs a mental health break because this was thrown on him. Uh, and I think they they wanted him to either transfer or quit. That's my opinion on this situation. And it wouldn't be the first or the last time something like this happened. But now we have it on on, on audio. In different situations, you're going to hear different things uh, from, from other schools as well. But this, this isn't a practice that isn't done in other places as well, trying to open up scholarships. Now, how is it handled? In this day and age, we've heard, you know, we've seen so much more about mental health. And this is something, Mike, in, in a bigger picture that your mother has talked about a lot, but we have certainly talked about, especially for athletes. Athletes that come to, to, to play in sports and scholarships in college are used to being kind of the top dogs in high school or one of the top dogs. They come to college. What happens to them when they're injured? 
uh, when they're not playing, when, when you know, do, do they want to keep playing because of an injury? This situation happens. Where's the outlet for that player, for that young man or that young woman of all of a sudden their world is turned upside down and they're just kind of cast, they were just kind of cast aside to kind of fend for themselves. So I do like the fact that nowadays there is the, there is in, in schools, I would say just about every school has it now, there is the, the, the mental health person or, or group there. Yeah. Well, that that, can, and and to that point, Ole Miss's campus has touted, in this program in particular, Lane Kiffin, there was a big release this summer that the Ole Miss football staff was mental health first aid certified this summer. Their assistant director of sports psychology, Dr. Josie Nicholson, who I've actually done a podcast with before, came and put them through a course on how to deal with situations like this. So Ole Miss is supposed to be one of the programs yeah. that's prepared for how to deal with this. Yeah, so, I mean, you're, they obviously didn't deal with this well. And, and, and from the player's side, you know, he got told you had to, you know, because he even said when, when Lane told him about switching positions, he said, are you asking me? Or are you telling me? And basically Lane said, well, I'm telling you. And if you don't like it, quit, which leads me again to they wanted that scholarship. So uh, and, and as I've discussed, this happens at other places as well with coaches uh, behind the scenes, you know, and this, this this being in February and March. So both sides of it, Mike, as I said, the age of my, you know, that I am in my culture group and some are probably saying, yeah, OK, this kid isn't getting hurt. He isn't playing a lot. He got asked to switch positions, you know, tough it out, you know, be a man, you know, you, you know, that there's that there's that mentality. Yeah. Uh, and then there's others of, t- of today that says, well, wait a minute now. Okay, this has thrown this kid for a loop. Now, I don't know how it was done. I don't know. Did he tell then the coaching staff, hey, I need a break. I'm going away for a couple weeks. Did he just leave? Because then he ignored all the texts to come in and talk. So there's some of this stuff we don't know, but it is definitely a culture clash of how athletes are handled with coaches. I think a lot of that boils down to this idea, and I think it's a wrong idea. I'm someone who got dog cussed plenty. I was much more in line yes. with how you got treated than how it goes on yes. now. And even still, I look at it and say, just because relationship with work, and we'll refer to it like that because this is how Lane referred to it, was yeah. one way for a long time, yeah. does not make that the right way to go about this and does not make it the right relationship with this, even if we all turned out fine and believe that there are merits to all of this. But, Dad, I guess what this boils down for me is, right now it feels like we're getting one painted version of events where it's yes. a player who skipped out on his team for two weeks and didn't communicate with his boss and this chorus of people saying well that's not right you wouldn't be able to get away with that anywhere to which my reply is I struggle to give any coach and this is not just a Lane Kiffin thing but any coach the benefit of the doubt on their painting of events here just because of everything we know about the power dynamic in college football and how these things tend to go the backdrop of this that you mentioned of players being run off teams and scholarships and, and especially in this day and age urging guys to transfer which it seems like was a part of this is i struggle to look at the timeline that's being presented right now it seems like by and large it's been that one timeline of he didn't communicate the player was wrong the player was wrong for doing this and to say that yes while it looks a certain way because there's a lawsuit tied to this and this came out on the day that happened i still struggle to give coaching the benefit of the doubt The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. 
In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. We're going to get into more actual college football coming up. I don't want people to think that this is going to be the only yeah. college football we talk on a Friday going into the day with this stuff with Lane Kiffin. But, Dad, it does it does hit a nerve. And I mentioned before we went to the last break this idea that I struggle giving the t- version of events that seems in line with what a coach would present for this the total right. benefit of the doubt based on everything we know in totality in football. It's not a judgment specifically on Lane Kiffin in this case, even though he's at the center of it. And again, I can understand there's a lawsuit for tens of millions of dollars. There was a motion to dismiss yesterday. Then the audio comes out that seems like a clear call and response to this. And so I can understand how people would look at the player's perspective and maybe call into question certain things about that. But I always admit my biases i'm a former player covering it now i always try and advocate the best i can for players in the midst of this and so there's a lot that we don't know about this but at the same time that's kind of how i frame it the other way and saying i'm not going to go all the way in and just immediately say the player's wrong because we all view the work and employee relationship one specific way that's in the middle of a monumental change right now if there is an area where it is it is serious control over everything, it's big time college football coach, right? They're they're the most sure. important person on the campus, even more than the the president of campuses and the power that they wield, depending on how good they are. So, as I mentioned before, from a culture standpoint, there are those that that have no problem with what Lane did in today's uh, society. The way we're going about handling things, uh, you would think he should be a little more understanding of that. The things. So let, let's quickly ask this: What do you think from the player side? What, what what do we go from there? So he didn't like what they had to change positions. Told his coach, "I need a mental health break." So that's where it kind of I don't know because you mentioned Mississippi and what they supposedly have as far as a mental health group there. What happened then? Did they reach out to him? Did he just disappear and ignore? It sounds like he ignored all the texts that the coach wants to meet you. But should that have been the coach? Which, which I was, could say is if you're in distress because of that particular right. coach, I'd imagine that might not be someone you want to hear from. So that's a good point, though, about what the resources are and really, Dad, the policies that are or aren't in place because right. we don't know because there's not a national standard because, again, this right. isn't a unionized sport as much as people want to say employer-employee. It is not. So did they reach out to him? Did they contact? Can they, can they say, listen, we reached out to him and he didn't, he didn't respond back. Does he have an obligation to respond back if he's having a mental health crisis, you know, or he just needs space and time away? There, there's, a, there's a lot. And, and this is one of those where I think a lot of people are going to have a, this is it. This is the opinion I have. This is my stance and it's the right stance where, you know, maybe again back a couple of decades there was the one way everybody did everything but now it's not whether some people like that or not so i i'm i'm just trying to look at it from both sides but i'm with you the power that coaches have over the players and it's another thing when when your mother and i were talking about it it is amazing and it is so true man when those coaches sit in your living room and talk to your 18 the 18 year old kid and their parents about how we're a family and how i'm going to be there which obviously nobody believes anymore because coaches just leave whenever they want but they lay out how great it's going to be and how they are going to take care of your child and i'll talk in all sports now not just football they're going to take care of them and then anybody who's been in that situation and then goes to that school on scholarship and all of a sudden how that changes how you become one of 85 scholarships which in in the reality of it that's what you are but the bill of goods you're sold to get you there and then what happens can be a very very different scenario and that's why i go back to what i said earlier of I'm glad they have areas now because a lot of these players aren't used to that. They're not used to all of a sudden being invisible 
and not being counted on and not being the person and told, I know you're a D lineman, but now you're a scout team O lineman. And you're like, wait, what, what the hell just happened? You know, now does that mean you disappear for two weeks? That's a discussion obviously we're having as well. But it, it does start with how you're coddled in that, in that living room to come to that school and then how things can change. And you throw in the added portion of this, the world of NIL, where because it's so murky, because we don't know who and how much are all getting paid, and the fact that it's not the schools paying them, but now there does seem to be an even more calculated portion and cold portion of the relationship between player and coach, potentially in certain cases, because of that. It, it is the timing of it's also interesting, too, because this was before spring football. So the yeah, time and the yeah. gap between communication led right up to March 21st, which is when Ole Miss's spring football practice started. Right. So technically, he didn't miss a day of spring football. He, he missed and workouts. was missing offseason right. workout time there as a guy who they had already penciled in to be a scout team player. So, in order of importance, generally for the things you're worried about, pretty far down the list as a former scout team player i feel like i can say that with confidence but the reaction here and the strength of it is why i feel like there's so much we don't know about what's going on between player and coach here because i got full-blown arrested during the football season after we played michigan state when i was a mm. freshman in college i wasn't playing and yet you always talk about dad creating headlines that other t people your teammates or coaches have to answer for i was on the bottom line of espn you had to talk about it and sure my coach charlie weiss had to talk about it and reckon with it coming into that next week and i can promise you that conversation that charlie and i had inside the locker room shout out to my mugshot and all that hair on your mugshot those curls mug wow it's, I, do uh, got wow. JC1. I, I, I love your, your yeah. brother jake your brother jake tweets that out every every year on your birthday it's just awesome it is awesome but I, I guess to you know peel back the curtain a little bit here and again every situation is different i'm not begrudging that but again the backdrop of this happening in the off season not actually missing even any practice time in spring football to what i what happened with me arrested during the season like in addition to getting ready for whoever was coming up next charlie weiss was gonna have to spend time talking about my dumb ass going out and getting a minor intoxication drinking arrest and even that, the conversation behind closed doors was exactly what you talked about, Dad. It was like a father talking to their son. That was how I felt with Coach Weiss in that moment. Now, he might have cussed me out a little bit in the team meeting in front of everybody because you got to make a point. You yeah. got to set the standards. Gotta I get all that stuff. But that conversation like this behind closed doors was one where I felt like, all right, this guy's got my back a little bit in this situation. And that meant a lot in that moment. And again, that was during the season. So the context of all of this is just so fascinating to me for all those reasons. And to me, the context, and I'll continue to say, it's my opinion, given of what I've seen, is they, they wanted this scholarship. They, they wanted him gone. And so there, there's not going to be that father-son, you know, relationship. It's going to be, you know, what can I do to run this guy? Um, and, and as I will continue to say as well, he, Lane Kiffin is not the only one that does it. There's different ways that people try and do it. But this is what happened here. So I, I don't know where this goes. I, I don't know, you know, the lawsuit, where it's going to go. The lawyers for Lane and the school said that this young man hasn't given any, any proof that this has happened. Same thing happened to a white player or a female, and they were treated differently. He, they, they said there's been no evidence provided on that at all. The lawsuit's obviously going to be a separate thing. But as we talked about, it's how this, how he was talked to, how the situation arose in this era of mental health issues and players, which is different than a lot of people are used to, of how was this handled. I would imagine Lane is uh, being talked to quite a bit by the higher ups uh, at school there about how to handle these situations and how to talk to your athletes. So. Yeah, please stop calling them employees. We're going to have a lot of yeah. issues if you keep yes. doing this. Speaking of how yeah. things have been handled in this segment in the last two, I understand things have been very serious. This is obviously weighty subject matter. Dad and I take it very seriously. He is a former yes. athlete, a parent of athletes, and myself as a former athlete who covers the sport now. So I want to give you guys a little bit of a palate cleanse at the end of the segment here in the form of this last night, a video released by the Atlanta Hawks documenting their OnlyFans account in reference to the in-season tournament here. Again, this is the Atlanta Hawks making an OnlyFans reference on their team account to take us to break as a balance in the universe for something to make you laugh before we go off. Only Hawks fans know where the real action is. Only Hawks fans know what they really want to see. And only Hawks fans know just where to get it. 
all-new NBA in-season tournament. Join in and wake up your wild side. Hot 5 on 5 action. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. I'm Jesse Cofield. There's a lot going on in the world of baseball. Plenty of off-season headlines that we need to dive into. Rangers winning their first World Series, not exactly an off-season headline, kind of, I don't know. Uh, Craig Council jumped ship from the Brewers to the Cubs with an amazing contract. Shohei Otani free agency sweepstakes is underway. And Craig Breslow named Red Sox chief baseball officer. Who better to have on to talk about this plethora of headline goodness than our friend Jared Carabas. Hey guys, how are yes. you? What's going on, brother? Good to see you, Jared. We were just talking in the break about uh, the Atlanta Hawks OnlyFans maybe being the inspiration for a baseball is dead OnlyFans in the near future. So I trust you and Dallas have that as an offseason project. We've been talking about doing a, a dog calendar for like four years, but OnlyFans didn't exist four years ago. So I feel like if we're not going to put out the dog calendar, the natural progression would be the OnlyFans. Yeah. Just just the, the thought of saying dog calendar and OnlyFans in the same sentence just kind of kind of nerves me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Mm. So I'm going to try and move off of that as quickly as I can <laughs> and, and, and ask you, as we got into the offseason, we finished with the World Series and the Rangers, were you surprised that they won it all? And at what point during the postseason <laughs> did you think, yeah, this, this team could do it? Uh, no, no, I wasn't surprised at all because I picked them in June. You know, that's that's how we become the tribal chief is we see these things in advance before <laughs> anyone else can see them. Uh, I put out a video in June being like, hey, buckle up. It's about to be a special season for the Texas Rangers. I picked them in every series throughout the postseason. I believe there were like two different rounds where I was the only person on the podcast that picked the Texas Rangers and everyone else picked against them. So surprised. No. Uh, if you're everyone else in the podcast, yeah, I think that they were very surprised. Very surprised indeed. All right, so no shock there for the Texas Rangers, at least for Jared Carabas. What about uh, surprise or joy for you with the Red Sox moves already this offseason here, making the Breslow hire? You guys had Alex Cora on name redacted this week here. So what's the feeling right now in Red Sox Nation? Cautious optimism. I mean, I, I feel like there's definitely been off seasons in the past where the Red Sox have made moves early or hirings and you get that kind of, you know, excitement building it, building up where, where you're just like, I feel like we're on the precipice of something special. I'm not there yet, but I, I think I'm encouraged by the fact that they've instituted change. It, instituting change means we're trying something different which I think was necessary. Uh, if you are forcing this change, that means, hey, we still care. That's a good sign. So there's just, you know, it's I'm, I'm optimistic because I'm reading between the lines on some of these decisions. But until these decisions, like the Craig Breslow hiring, uh, result in some sort of large magnitude move, then, I mean, it's kind of just cautious optimism. They still have players to sign, trades to make, et cetera. Other changes out there, one that caught the eye, especially from the monetary side of it, is David Ross is not brought back by the Cubs. Craig Council's deal ends in Milwaukee. And all of a sudden, the highest average annual salary for a baseball manager had been Terry Francona at $4.5 million. Council now at eight mil a year, five for 40 from the Cubs, which had to stun Milwaukee. How did this happen? And was there any way Milwaukee, obviously they didn't, but was going to try and get jump back into the sweepstakes for Council? I, no, I mean, like Milwaukee, who is my, uh, that's my NL team, by the way. Um, very sad to see Craig Council go. Um, but I mean, for that kind of money, how do you say no to that? And that was one of the questions that I brought up with Alex Cora, who, I mean, I love dearly. I think uh, I think the world of Alex Cora. But I'm sitting here thinking, I mean, I was like, I have to ask the question. Have the Red Sox approached you about an extension? And it was, I don't want to call it a wishy-washy answer, but it was kind of a non-answer. He didn't say yes, he didn't say no. It, it, it kind of leaned more towards no. But if you're him and you see what Craig Council just got, you're sitting there thinking, 
this guy didn't even win a World Series. I won a World <laughs> Series. What, uh, what kind of money is out there for me if, if I want to shop myself around in this managerial sweepstakes? Some of these teams that are desperate for leadership in a way that uh, is highly praised, which Cora's leadership is highly praised universally throughout the game. So I, I don't think he's going anywhere, but you have to sort of see that number and be like, what is my maybe let's pump the brakes on that extension like there's a new benchmark now so if you are looking at it from the Cubs standpoint I think that they they kind of did Rossi dirty there a little bit I mean like that's a guy that uh he's a legend in Chicago for what he did on the field uh maybe less so with the uh in the dugout but I mean he's that's that's crazy like I I, I don't know what the the comparison would be over here it, maybe it's like if you hired Johnny Gomes and then you fired him unceremoniously as a manager for the Red Sox. Like that would that wouldn't sit well with the fans. Um, but getting Craig Council, that's about as great of a consolation prize as you're going to get. He was the, he was the top manager that was uh, rumored to be on the move, and the Cubs got their man. You're right about that. The transition there was clunky would be the kindest read of that, but I think you're absolutely right. Got to be conflicting for Cubs fans who simultaneously feel that way, but also probably encouraged that the organization spending that kind of money on a manager and hoping that's reflected in what they're willing to spend on players going forward too. I, big picture, Jared, I saw Scott Boris this week at the GM meetings floated the idea of the neutral site World Series. How has that landed with the tribal chief and the rest of the podcast? So it's interesting. A lot of this stuff, and I'll tell you right now, I'm not bitter, but sometimes people will break new. Like, for example, Nolan Arenado, uh, after he got traded to the St. Louis Cardinals, came on the podcast and said, uh, I have no intention of opting out. And then three years later, whatever it was, two years later, when uh, some website reported, oh, uh, you know, Nolan Arenado confirmed not going to opt out of his car. We were like, we broke that years ago. We had Scott <laughs> Boris on the podcast two or three years ago, but I believe it was during COVID. Uh, and he said this on the podcast three years ago. And now everyone's like, oh, Scott Boris, like he wants to do a neutral World Series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about it with him three years ago. And I, I don't know that like I get where he's going with it because you see the Super Bowl. It's a celebration. It's this large global event. People come from all corners of the world. WrestleMania, if you will, is also it has to be into me. There's no such thing as home field unless you're talking about CM Punk in Chicago. Um, but uh, a neutral World Series. I don't love it. It's just because baseball is a regional sport. Like I feel like, you know, in football, very rarely are you going to have a Super Bowl matchup where you don't have some sort of star quarterback. Like, it's just not going to happen. In in the World Series, how many... Like, you would see potentially, and I, I, I love baseball, you know that, but there's potential for a neutral World Series site where you get a matchup like the Rangers and D-backs where you might have empty seats. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. That, that's a possibility. Like, Rangers... Like, versus D-backs in Colorado, you know, how many people are coming out to see that? So I, I I get what he's trying to do. He's trying to make it more of a, like, let's make baseball into right. the NFL. Like, what is the NFL doing right that we could do ourselves? And it's just, it's it doesn't work with baseball. It's too regional. And by the way, series sport versus one game sport there right. for the NFL. Yep. Yeah, you could have it at one site there. For baseball, you at least get the best of both worlds with that series format there. So totally with you. All of this, as we've established, just more reason for you to make sure that you have downloaded, subscribed, rated, and reviewed Baseball is Dead and Name Redacted podcast here. Get the news before everybody else here and Here's just an remind advance. everybody after the fact. Years in <laughs> advance. Jared Carabas out here predicting the future. Jared, appreciate the time, brother. Have a good weekend. It's good to see you guys. Take it easy. Thanks, Jared. Uh, l listen, he, there you go, man. Right on top about, of man, he got it nailed. Yeah, he, and he's right about the baseball. I mean, it, it, it's yeah. as far as a neutral site for the World Series, you just can't do it in a series because that would be the fear that you just have empty seats there where one game in a Super Bowl is always going to be packed. So I get the thought process, but it, it just it just would not work in practical application. Man, if the Super Bowl is a series, first off, 
God, what carnage that would be. But oh, second be off, horrific. imagine a Super Bowl at Arrowhead, given the amount of Chief Super Bowl appearances recently, how live that would be. That is the cool part for Major League Baseball is you do get some incredible scenes with those home crowds you probably wouldn't get with the NFL.